Hey everyone, this is the other A-Rod and this is the Other Things Podcast, episode four, the very first ever episode four of this podcast, I am excited to announce. And it's been a while, I think it's been two weeks, which is kind of how I'm spacing these apart. So if you guys like the two week thing, let me know if you want more of them more often, then let me know that as well. If you guys think I should do one every week, which I think is kind of the norm for most podcasts, but I am also in college, so let me know. But since I've last talked to you guys, there has been some football going on, lots of football going on, and let's I'm gonna we're gonna talk about the the Baylor Bears for just a little bit at the very beginning of this podcast because there is a bigger topic that I want to tackle which might be a little bit heavier for this podcast, but we'll get to that. I did want to do this football recap for us first. Um, so our guys are now 3-2, and two, which is probably about where I would have placed them, to be completely honest with you. Um, they did have a bounce-back victory from the Duke loss, and then they went up to Norman, Oklahoma, and lost to Oklahoma. And I think that's kind of an accurate description for where we're at in this season so far. I think we've made leaps and bounds and improvement from where we were last season. And I do think that no matter what, it is kind of still trusting the process and you know, we are already better than we were record-wise last year. We have tripled our wins so far. I don't think that... The, I don't think we'll stay at three wins, to be honest. I think we'll get more. Uh, we just have to wait for the right pieces to fall together on the field. As far as play calling and players being lined up in the right spots, as far as depth chart, I guess, allows... Um, and I think what these last two weeks have shown me in particular has been the absolute raw potential from all the underclassmen, like the, um, freshmen and sophomores, namely. Um, one of the ones I want to point out specifically, uh, John Lovett, he had some really good, he's a sophomore, he showed up in a lot of games last season. And I think purely that playing time for him gave him a lot of confidence to go out and put up some numbers that he's been doing for us so far as a sophomore. And freshman Tyquan Thornton is blowing my mind, to be completely honest. And I hope he will follow in a similar fashion to John Lovett and kind of use these reps this early on in his collegiate career to really gain some confidence and I think that's what that will end up happening um being biased I hope we make it to a bowl game this year it I think we will I believe in my heart we will and I think it will be rough I think it might surprise a lot of people what wins we do come away with and what losses we end up giving up as well. 
um, we have we have some competition in the Big Twelve, and the the conference itself is always always a wild card. I think um, Oklahoma, obviously, we uh, there were some things we did right and some things we did wrong. We improved a lot as far as defense is concerned. And I just really, one of the things I really wished for that game was that our wide receivers would be more ferocious with their attempts to catch the ball. I think um, Charlie could have thrown it up a little bit more as far as the defenders covering our wide receivers were so much shorter. And I think that if he would have, those passes that were dropped or uh, were incomplete, I think it might have made a difference if he had thrown them a little bit more up to where our guy our guys had to go up and jump for them because our guys were so much taller already. I think that might have made a difference. But, you know, you build and you learn and you grow and you keep chugging forward and it's on to the next game, which is back here at McLean Stadium. It's going to be Kansas State this Saturday at 2.30 kickoff. You know, I love football. I really do. But these 2:30 kickoffs. We got to we got to we got to we got to do something about that because if you're like me, you you got to tailgate a little bit beforehand, so I usually get to the tailgate around 10 or 11 for a 2:30 kickoff cuz uh with Sikkim 365, I like to you know, rub elbows, schmooze a little bit, make sure people know who I am. So, um I can get my name out there um, and that I can talk to people that I'm reaching as far as my community and where my personal reach goes as far as my writing over the summer and currently that I'm doing. Make sure that they can put that name to a face. And then we have a 2.30 kickoff. Game usually goes until 6.30. It's a four-ish hour game depending on. So that's 6.30 and then by the time you're done with the game you don't really want to do anything else for the day so yeah we need to either have earlier or later games because I have other stuff to do uh primarily studying and reading with all those literature courses I'm taking that I talked about on the last podcast I've read so many books already so yeah that's where I stand on that so in a kind of awkward less seamless transition than I had envisioned for this. We're going to talk about something that is near and dear and personal to me. Um, And that is kind of the stigma behind mental health. I know we just passed September, which was kind of unofficially or officially, whichever organization claims it, I guess. Um, Mental Health Awareness Month. And I had a lot of friends and family make posts on Facebook about supporting mental health awareness and trying to get the stigma erased. And I think it's very, very admirable what they're doing. And I know that their hearts are in the right place. And I know that a lot more of my family and friends than probably would care to admit to me personally have been touched by mental health in a variety of ways that they probably are embarrassed about talking about and that's what I want to talk about 
I think that if you're going through something with your mental health, whether you struggle with anxiety, depression, bipolar disorder, uh, anything that follows, that falls under that huge umbrella of mental health, I think it should be easier to talk about in day-to-day conversations because when it's not, it makes it so much harder for a person to recover. Um, speaking, for, We're going to speak from personal experience, okay? I'm going to lay it all out there for you guys. I have currently been talking to a counselor since May. So, yeah. Um, I had no idea where to start as far as trying to get help. I think um, I would say that like getting help doesn't quite say what I went to go talk to her for, but it's really what I did. So yes, it took me a while to warm up to the fact that, you know, maybe I did need to get help um, as far as my own anxiety and depression goes. So, yeah, I had no idea where to start. Um, my family's always been pretty open. My mom's a nurse, has been for as long as I've been alive. My grandma has been a nurse for as long as I can remember. And we've always had this kind of understanding that I could tell them whatever I needed to. But it's different when possibly even harder because you know mental health isn't something that you can isn't a problem that you can physically see all the time so getting that courage to even admit that I had an issue or a problem was a big step And I guess it kind of started um, at the... So I started talking to this counselor at uh, at the end of May. Um, And she's amazing. I love her. And she's helped me in so many different ways. Um, And so, yeah, it's kind of started at the end of last semester. I was really fortunate enough to take this class here at Baylor, actually, where a lot of... The material that we were doing in class focused on, like, raising awareness for things. Um, I think I told you guys about this class where we had to do a audio PSA. Um, a lot of people in that class did it about mental health awareness, especially on college campuses. Make it. Um, some of them did, like, drug addiction um, for the Addiction Recovery Center. We just opened up here, on, or has we have had open on campus, but... It's a very hidden resource that um, this classmate felt, and so that's what she did her audio PSA on. Um, But I think that that class allowed kind of, I guess, not my first instance of like a safe space to be able to talk about mental health, but definitely one that I recognized as a safe space to talk about mental health. And... Um, a handful, probably four of my own classmates, uh, f- I'm saying four 
of my classmates in a class of about 12 kids um, talked very openly about their own struggles with mental health, um, how it has affected them, kind of what resources were on campus for them. And one of the classmates that I talked to, um, I kind of asked her really randomly one day, I kind of texted her and was like, hey, I know this is gonna sound super weird and you don't need to worry about me currently, but how did you get started talking to your therapist or your counselor? Because I think that it's something that I might be interested in. And you, it might be weird, you guys think my, it might be weird to randomly ask somebody that's kind of an acquaintance. She was an acquaintance at that point. She wasn't really like somebody that I talked to outside of this class um, at the time. So it might be a little bit weird to go up to an acquaintance and be like, hey, I know you've gone through something similar. Can you help me? Because that's really what it is. It's asking for help. And for a long time, that was my issue. I didn't want to ask for help. Didn't feel that I, I guess, because you can't see it. It was kind of like other people have it worse. So maybe I was kind of lower on the totem pole of, I guess, deserving help. Um, but so I talked to her about it and she let me know, like, this is how I got started. I basically, I Googled it and call your... Um, health insurance number on the back of the card and kind of see what resources there are in the area and I told her thank you and then I would keep her informed because you know that's what you do when I think somebody comes to you with something like that you want to make sure that they are okay especially after making a big step like reaching out like that so after that I called my mom which was a very big step because when you are dealing with something like anxiety or depression anxiety or depression at least in my case you don't let people know it you tell everybody that you're fine and they believe you because why wouldn't they? So me calling my mom randomly one day and saying like, hey, I think I want to talk to a therapist kind of threw her for a loop. <laughs> and this is exactly what I'm talking about. I think that me getting as worked up as I am about this right now shouldn't be the case. I think it should be so much easier to be able to talk to other people about this to make sure that they know that they're not alone, that they can get the help that they need, and that 
life gets better, man. So, yeah. I called my mom, and we cried, and we talked. And she told me the same thing that my classmate did, you know. Call the number on the back of the insurance card, and, you know, seeing, see who all is in the area, call around, and kind of, you don't have to stick with the very first one that you talk to, is what she said, because, you know, you have to, it's a very special relationship between a patient and counselor, I guess, um, or client and counselor, and you have to be able to have this repertoire and this sort of back and forth exchange of information that is respected um so and it was a learning experience for both of us because my mom has never I don't think she's ever and I believe she would have told me if she did uh in order to relate I guess a little bit better but she's never talked to a counselor like this and as a mom I don't think it, she knew exactly what to do in that instance where her oldest daughter who lives an hour away from her is seemingly suddenly wanting to go and do this and I think that scared her as much as it scared me so I found this counselor here and she's amazing. She, one of my biggest issues, I think, and what sets her apart from, like, other friends or acquaintances or people that don't necessarily get it about mental health is, like, personally, I need time to gather my thoughts and to make a succinct what come out of my something succinct come out of my mouth whenever I open it because I think that whatever you say has meaning whether you intend it to or not and I think that it's one of my biggest strengths and also one of my biggest weaknesses is that I overthink everything that comes out of my mouth sometimes um and I think that it's I get really frustrated with myself because sometimes you don't have the words to describe what's going on inside your own head. And I think that's one of the things that definitely needs to be talked about more with mental health is sometimes you don't have the words and not everybody gets that. Not everybody gets how, you know, you can think a certain way or perceive yourself in a certain way that seems so negative to other people but it's kind of like these are just how it's just how I think sometimes and to other people it would seem really scary but this is how I think and I don't act on any of them especially not like super intrusive thoughts but I do have them and Depending on the day, they're a little harder to ignore. But that's when I especially rely on people that are really close to me. And kind of 
use those people as my support and my rock. So a lot of what my counselor and I have specifically been talking about is like kind of rewiring my brain because are we thinking retraining my brain how to think about things um because you know everybody has anxieties and everybody gets sad but for the longest time my mom has said you know you're so kind you empathize with so many people and those aren't bad things definitely not bad things but she has always said you know like you feel everything just a little bit more than most people and I think that's where a lot of my anxieties and kind of when I get down comes from is that I just feel everything maybe a little bit more than most people or maybe most people have kind of like maybe shut that part of themselves off so that they don't experience anxiety and depression. But it's, I can't shut it off, man. It makes me mean, so. And I wouldn't change me for anything. And it's, for a lot of, for a long time, I used to think that I wasn't normal because, you know, people, I would get worked up at things people would kind of brush off. And it would make me frustrated that people would brush things off that I would get so worked up at. And so me and my counselor, or my counselor and I have been talking about retraining my brain into thinking like everybody's normal is different. And this just happens to be my normal. And I have to not take everything so hard I guess but also kind of don't not shut my emotions off to where I become different than what I really am so she's been great she's definitely the experience of talking to somebody sounds so scary at first that's another thing we definitely have to stop stigmatizing because I was so scared the very first time I went in to talk to her. I was like, this is kind of, um, I told her, I was like, I'm very self-aware. This is what I'm here for. And I don't know what to do about it. And she kind of asked, she, she kind of asked guiding questions and then allowed me to think about it and kind of ramble after that point, which I definitely appreciate it because sometimes I will think about it, say something really short, and then kind of talk myself out of continuing because I don't want to seem stupid. With her, it's kind of like a judgment-free zone. So no matter what, it's not going to leave the confines of her office. I can sound as stupid or or irrational as I want, and it will even better further the understanding of what I'm actually thinking. Um, Since I started seeing her in May, my kind of reaction times between whenever she asks questions and whenever I answer has gone down, which definitely makes me think that 
I'm not focusing so much on, you know, immediately sounding intelligent or immediately trying to prove my self-worth through my words and just kind of trying to get out how I truly feel. You know, sometimes she'll ask me a question and I'll be like, yeah, this sucks. Or to a question that I would have previously thought of answering in a more quote-unquote appropriate way. So she's kind of gotten me more in touch with like how I truly feel about stuff and kind of working through those, which I'm forever grateful for. And yes, I'm forever grateful for her. And for the classmate who I'm keeping anonymous for a reason, um, but I'm grateful for her too. We are great friends now. Um, we always talk. That's one of my other safe spaces I feel like is with her um, because she gets it. And it's not to say that my roommate Hannah doesn't get it, but it's just different. And I think that that might be me kind of adding to the stigma, possibly. Um, that, you know, it is hard to talk about. And maybe I'm not doing my due gil- I'm not doing my due diligence, sorry, by informing her of like, hey, this is how I feel. This is what's going on. But that's really hard for me to do even with my best friend. So I think that like, if I could have one wish in the world, well, it wouldn't be my only wish in the world, but if I was queen of the world for a day, I'd make it to where everybody has to go to like some sort of seminar on this and we can just kind of all sit together and talk about our feelings, which to some of us, to some of you guys, sounds super boring or not your cup of tea. But I think it's something that, as a world, we need to better empathize with people. And I think that understanding and destigmatizing mental health will get us there quicker. Um, and I think that one of the things that I've found, especially this semester... And I've always said there's never a coincidence with anything that has happened to me, especially while I've been here at Baylor, and you can call that what you will. I just say that it's not a coincidence. Um, but a lot of my courses this semester, we've talked more openly about mental health, and I'm still at a point in my own mental health journey where it's not the easiest thing to talk about. And I've definitely, now that I've kind of admitted it to myself, or, yeah, I guess kind of admitted it to my, admitted it to myself, that it hits me a little bit more whenever people dehumanize people with mental health, because I'm definitely not one of the people one of the people that you would see walking down the street and think like oh you know she has anxiety or she has depression and that might be totally wrong you know I've never seen myself walking down the street so I don't know what I look like but I definitely whenever I've told people that you know I have anxiety or sometimes I have depression or I have depression sometimes I struggle with my depression sometimes that 
people are always really shocked. And maybe that's because, you know, like I said with before talking with my mom that I've always, you know, allowed people to think and told people that I was okay. And they believed it. I mean, that's not their fault for us for believing what I've told them as fact, you know. And I think that yeah. I think that one of the things that I'm really passionate about is making it more normal in conversation, you know? You can... And that comes in varying degrees for some people. Some people, myself excluded, I have not, like, had this traumatic incident happen in their life. That would be really hard to talk about. I understand that. But I think that, like... Even the topic of, like, trying to get help or trying to start seeing a counselor should be something that is an easy process for anybody that wants to do it. And it was an easy process for me because I started talking about it to the right people. And I think that the right people should be anybody you feel comfortable enough bringing it up to. And that is not always the case. For some people, I was very fortunate enough to be able to talk to my mom as openly as I was about trying to get help. And she was amazing at trying to help me get help. So that is that. And I just think that a lot more people than you think have tried therapy and gone to talk to people about their own problems. And, you know, everybody's self-care to-do list is different mine happens to be music that's why I started posting the music monday hashtags on my twitter which you can go and follow my twitter at the other a-rod and I do those every monday I think last week I ended up doing it on a tuesday because I missed monday but I do them every, I try, I'm, I'm trying to do them every monday because that's one of my biggest self-care things that I do is that I enjoy listening to music I listen to every kind of music does not matter. Anything that has a really cool beat, definitely I'll listen to. Any like I music is so inspirational to me and I think it's a wonderful outlet that we are lucky to have. Another one of my self-care to-dos is writing. I love writing, which is probably why my degrees in it. Um ever since I can remember, I loved writing. I used to write poems when I was like seven or eight and they're probably god awful but I did that I put my thoughts onto paper and I've been doing it ever since I usually have several folders of writing on my laptop where they're just for my eyes or if I feel like saying like hey remember when I was acting off a little bit ago like a couple months ago like this is what I wrote during that period kind of to help my mom understand I guess or to help other people understand because like I said I'm a person that needs to think through what they're feeling and why they're feeling it because I never want to act on impulse necessarily because I've seen how it can hurt people to act on impulse so I try not to act on impulse um 
And one of my favorite self-care to-dos is, and I'm going to sound like a total girl when I say this, but it's okay because everybody needs a little self-care in the form of face masks and candles. You guys, I got an email, so I had an appointment with my counselor last Wednesday, and the Tuesday night before that appointment, I found this Barnes & Noble gift card in one of my old wallets and said, hey, said to myself, hey, after my appointment, I'll go get a good candle from Barnes & Noble's, you know, or from not Barnes & Noble, Bath & Body Works. That's what I meant to say, Bath & Body Works. This whole talk has gotten my mind all jumbled up. Bath & Body Works gift card. After my appointment, I'll go to Bath & Body Works and get a good candle because, you know, you gotta treat yourself as, as, uh, Tom Haverford from Parks and Rec would say, treat yourself. But not to the extent that they go sometimes, because that's a little extreme. But Wednesday morning, I woke up to go to class. I had two classes Wednesday morning. Then I had a break, my appointment, and then I was going to go and get that candle. So I woke up Wednesday morning, and I got an email from Bath and Body Works saying that their, three, their big three-wick candles were on sale for buy one of those three wick candles and get a single wick candle for free. So I did what any reasonable person would do and spent probably more than I should have on candles. And I say more than I should have. I needed those candles. There was no lie. I needed those candles. And there were those really good aromatherapy candles, too. I, oh, they guys, they smell so good. If you haven't already, go get yourself an, aroma, an aromatherapy candle from Bath & Body Works. They should totally sponsor me because I'm hyping them up so much right now. Bath & Body Works aromatherapy candles are life. Anyway, so yeah, face masks and candles. A simple face mask that or sheet masks, guys. Sheet masks. You don't even have to, like, put the goo on your face necessarily. It's on the sheet. And then you put the sheet on your face. And then, like, 10, 15 minutes, 15, 20 minutes, you take the sheet off and then pat the rest of the goo in your face. And then you're done. That's what it is. And then you feel so refreshed afterwards. Plus, they make really cute animal face masks. Which... Brings me to my next topic, seamless transition here, the Korea trip, because all the K-Beauty products are coming back with me. What kind of triggered this podcast episode topic, I guess, is my Korea trip update that I do, or I'm trying to do at the end of every one of these podcasts. So my roommate Hannah got back from her trip to Washington DC where she was auditioning for this band and she got home and told me kind of kind of out of the blue that she was probably not it was 98% looking like she was not going to be able to go with me on my graduation trip to Korea and One of the things that 
my counselor and I talk about a lot is the fact that I like a schedule. I like to plan and when my plans fall through, especially when I'm really excited for them, it makes my anxiety skyrocket. (laughs) So her coming home and telling me out of the blue that she wasn't going to be able to go with me to Seoul, South Korea on my graduation trip was kind of like I was being swallowed by a black hole. And I let, I kind of, I left, I left her room because we were talking in her room. I went into my bedroom and started freaking out. Um, and I think, uh, it was really, really hard and I'm kind of, I don't like to think about what I felt because it makes me really anxious. Um, So I called my mom and I called my dad and just started crying. And they were very supportive. I, it was more of that I didn't like how I was feeling I guess not necessarily that I didn't know what I was feeling I knew what I was feeling I was feeling a lot of emotions that I that I retrospectively feel that I did not have the right to feel which is a very jumbled sentence so we're gonna explain that I felt I felt very bitter that she has gotten to travel internationally way more than I have she went to all over Europe this summer and she's gone to mission trips almost every summer while we've been in Baylor she just had just gotten back from Washington DC and it was something that we were actively planning together so I felt very bitter I felt very disappointed that it felt like I wasn't going to be able to go because, you know, it is scary to think about, you know, a 20-year-old girl, 21-year-old girl, young woman traveling internationally by herself for the first time going somewhere halfway across the world. And I was like, there's no way, no way that my parents are going to let me do this. They're going to suggest that we go somewhere else, which is what Hannah suggested. And I really, really, really tried hard to make myself be okay with that possibility. And it was not sitting right with me at all. So I think it was the next day I kind of walked around like a zombie to all my classes. Didn't really talk to anybody. Um... My mom and dad were super worried, um, and they called me after they had gotten home from work and I was done with all my classes, and we kind of talked it out a little bit more, and I told my parents, I was like, I'm going to fight for this trip, man, 
it is a gut feeling that I am supposed to take this trip. And I can't let the anxiety of going by myself keep me from going by myself, you know? I think that it is a little scary to think like, oh, I'm traveling to this place where I don't know one of the main languages. I don't know anybody there. It'll be crazy. And I think with like any parent, um, my parents' main issue was kind of the safety of it all. And like I've said on numerous podcasts before, we have family friends and I know people that have been to Seoul and have traveled to Korea. And I reached out to all of them again um, and said, you know, kind of explained to them what the situation was. Like, hey, this graduation trip that was going to be me and another person is now just going to be me. Um, how would you rate kind of the safety if you will, if you could, so I can try and kind of gather all my information to kind of state my case to my parents as as far as to why I should still go. Um, which I still think is exactly what I should have done because we'll get back to that later. Anyway, so, and I looked, one of my aunts who's done a lot of international travel told me to go look on the State Department government website because they have, like, threat levels for all international travel. It's kind of crazy. But that website basically equated me traveling to Seoul as a young woman be about the same as me going to, like, New York by myself. And I was like, okay, still a little scary because, you know, big city and halfway around the world – But at least it's not like, it's not, it's not as bad as other areas of the world. I'll, I'll say that. And I presented this information to my parents. It's actually a little bit cheaper for a room for myself rather than a room for me and Hannah, which I was going to pay for that room anyway. So saving a little bit of money there. Where I could... Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm yawning on you guys. It's a little bit later than I typically record these. But I wanted to knock this conversation out with you guys. Because I feel like it's one that we needed to have. And so I've been talking to a lot of female-owned Airbnbs in the area that I was looking at already. And reaching out to them, seeing if they would be nearby seeing if they wanted to do something as simple as, like, go get dinner, or if they would mind, like, showing me around some of their favorite spots in Seoul. They've all been really, really good at getting back to me about it. Um, And I've actually kind of narrowed it down to a couple that I'm still looking at because I haven't bought, bought my plane ticket yet either. So, but I just wanted to let you guys know that I am still doing it. My Seoul Korea trip will now be a solo Korea trip. You see what I did there. Um, But I think that it's just one of those gut feelings that this is supposed to happen 
right when it's supposed to happen. And this is, I'm thinking of this, and maybe this is the bad way of thinking about it, but I'm kind of thinking of this as like a test of myself. And I know I don't have anything to prove to anybody, but I have a little bit of something to prove to myself, you know? Like, I've gone through all these leaps and bounds. I've handled three and a half years of college. I've, wow, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna finish college in three and a half years. And I haven't studied abroad any time I've been here. I haven't gone on any mission trips, unfortunately. And I haven't really, you know, spread my wings. And what better way to do that than for a graduation trip? And I think it'll be different going by myself. Uh, I'm going to wish she's there with me because, you know, it was something we're supposed to do together. But I definitely understand where she's coming from as far as um, her financial situation. And yeah, I'm going to do this. And I've spoken it into the universe, and so it is going to happen. And I just wanted to keep you guys updated on that front. So, you know, I haven't, it's, 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 I feel it, you guys, I feel it. And my counselor has been telling me not to ignore my feelings. So, I'm not. And I'm really hoping that everything kind of falls together for this trip. I know it will because whenever I think about it now, I don't get anxious. And I think that is a really good feeling. I don't get bad anxious. I should rephrase that. (laughs) I don't get bad anxious. I get anxious like I'm really excited because I've done so much reading up on um, places that I might want to check out, places that I definitely do want to check out. Um, It's going to be really cold when I go, so that's going to be another thing that I have to knock out before, before I leave is hopefully to get a good jacket and I want to get some boots before I go because... You know, I'm going to go, and I'm going to look really good when I do go, so that's going to happen. But yeah, so we've finished the very fourth podcast episode of the Other Things podcast, and I think we've gotten pretty heavy the last two. Uh, Last time I talked about Ricardo Benitez and his story, and I was blubbering like a baby in that one. And in this one, we had a very serious mental health talk, which I think needs to be talked about so much more than it already is. And hopefully by hearing my story as a pretty normal 21-year-old, soon-to-be college grad, oh, that's scary, Um, soon-to-be college grad, that it will encourage you to kind of open up about your own things and maybe not necessarily go talk to a counselor but talk to people around you more often and you know check up check up on your friends guys because I can tell you as many times as I've said fine about half of those times I haven't been fine check up on your friends please 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 um 
But yeah, so I will definitely make sure we do something maybe a little bit lighter for the next episode. Um, if you guys have any ideas of what you want me to talk about in the next episode, um, tweet me again at the other A-Rod. Go follow me on Twitter. Uh, and if you're going to the game this weekend, um, let me know and I'll see if I'll find, I'll see if I can find you somewhere. Um, and yeah, hopefully this weekend we'll get another win. Uh, you gotta root for the boys, always for the boys. And yeah, so yeah, this has been the fourth episode. Gone on to number five for next, for uh, in a couple weeks. Maybe I'll put it out next week. Never know. Just keep your eyes peeled, all right? All right. You guys have a good one, okay?